Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. The best kind of picture books take you somewhere as soon as you open the first page. In Ella and the Ocean by Leon Tanner, you're transported to Outback Australia. Ella is a girl who dreams of an ocean she has never actually seen. In her quest to understand what the ocean really looks like, she inspires her family to take the long trip to the coast. Leanne Tanner is on the phone from her home in Tasmania. Hi, Leanne. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. I'm really well, thank you. Where did the idea for Ella and the Ocean come from? Oh, look, um, in my experience, any book... Uh, doesn't come from just a single idea. It, it comes from several different places, and they collide and and create something new. So, the the oldest part of this idea came from, actually came from the Second World War, because my parents met in the Northern Territory during the Second World War. My mum was an army nurse, and my dad had just come back from the Middle East, and uh, and they met in Northern Territory. So. When my brothers and I were kids, a lot of the stories that they told us, our, our sort of family origin stories, were all about that part of the world. Uh, and, and a lot of it was about the red dirt country and, and how amazing the landscape was. So that was a part of it. Another part was the fact that uh, my mum's parents were farmers in the, in the Mallee in South Australia. So another one of our family origin stories was about about the land, about the resilience of people on the land, about droughts, that sort of stuff. And the third part just came out of nowhere uh, some years ago when I was, I was just thinking about the imagination and I was thinking about how if you had never seen something, what your imagination would do with the description. You know, it's like when, when somebody tries to describe an elephant in a story and, and, and a child comes up with these amazing and absurd pictures in their head and so I was, I was thinking about you know well how would you imagine the ocean if all if the biggest thing you'd ever seen was a dam how would you imagine the ocean so so those three things came together and and set off the idea and it's been percolating for a while hasn't it it's been percolating for a really long time look the the first I, I was digging through some of my old notebooks the other day and the very first note that I found about a girl who had never seen the sea uh, was I wrote it in my notebook in 1994, so that's 25 years ago. <laughs> Did you have to <laughs> say that 1994 was that long ago? <laughs> I know, it's a bit scary, isn't it? But the thing was, I mean, I had the idea back then, but I had no idea how to write a picture book back then. Uh, and, and so the idea just sort of stayed there for a while until I knew a little bit more. Um, you mentioned just then that the idea of um, the out that the setting, which is um, as you talk about red dirt country, the picture mm. book really is very evocative of place. How familiar are you with that actual landscape? Is it just through stories, or have you spent time on the land as well? Uh, it was all through stories until a couple of years ago when I went to Alice Springs, the Children's Book Council in the Northern Territory, uh, invited me up to speak to kids in schools in Alice Springs. So that was the first time I'd been there and I was absolutely blown away by the, by the, the colour and the, the amazing, amazing landscape. It was so beautiful. And I think that was what then spurred me back into the idea, spurred me to write the book. But look... 
Uh, one of the one of the things that I find most interesting about the book, this book, Jonathan Bentley, who did the um, the absolutely wonderful illustrations, he is an Englishman who moved to Australia. But when he was doing the illustrations for this book, he was actually living in a medieval village in France. Oh my goodness! And so he was he was remembering that you know how the sky in Australia is is so much bigger than anywhere else in the world, in my experience. And he was remembering that, and he was remembering the red landscape and all those sorts of things. So I think it was a fairly extraordinary experience for him too. Oh, absolutely, because a sense of... Um, I haven't spent much time in these parts of Australia. I've visited occasionally, but just the um, the pictures combined with the words are incredibly evocative of place. Um, it's so interesting that he wrote it in a French <laughs> many <laughs> Um, of course, the words in this book are really important too, but they're quite understated. There's a lot of emotion in this book um, about, to begin with, about struggle and um, perhaps the harshness of life on the land in this way. Was that intentional, that it was understated? Yes. Look, I think that was one of the things that I needed to learn about picture books. Uh, I think when when you first start trying to write a picture book, I think a really common mistake is to throw everything in. You know, you, you put in all the words that you can think of, and you and and you tell the story, and forget that there is this whole other part to it, which is which is the pictures, and that it's the the words plus the pictures that make the story, not just the words on their own. So, I I when I first started writing this book. So the idea came in 1994. I started writing the book round about 2009 and couldn't make it work. And then I came back to it a couple of years ago. And, and that was when I had come to understand that how much space you need to leave in a picture book. It's a little bit like writing for the stage. I, I used to write stage plays. And when you're writing for the stage, you need to leave room for the actors. And if you're writing a picture book, you need to leave room for the artist, for the illustrator. And, and it took me a long time to learn that. So yes, it was, it was quite deliberate. And it also leaves, it leaves room for imagination. You know, you've, you've, got, these, you've got kids reading it and you, want them, you, you don't want to, to say, this is what you should be imagining. You, you want, it, you want to, them to have a sense of discovery when they're reading it. And, I mean, part of that discovery for me as an adult anyway is a, a connection with how difficult it can be for farmers today in Australia. Um, in, a, in a sense, did you, were you hoping to bridge a gap between city and country with this book as well? I, I don't know about bridging a gap. Look, I think that, that like I said, my grandparents were, were farmers and... I always had that sense of the amazing resilience of farmers and, and how much they have to pick themselves up over and over and over again and keep going and, and how much that we in the cities don't see that. And so I, I don't think I thought of, of bridging a gap. I, I think I thought of the drought and how terrible that is and just making a story about it, but but also making a story about... Oh, because it's not just about the drought, the book. It's it's about it's about how important it is to take time out to play, 
and how we lose sight of that as adults and you know we we get overwhelmed with work and and kids are the ones who know how to play and kids are the ones who remind us how important it is to play so so as much as bridging a gap between town and country it was the, the bridging a gap between adults and their inner child and and bridging a gap between the the how we get overwhelmed by work and and what we actually need to keep us going because there's a lot of hope in it it might start with you know pushing back the red dirt and uh and traversing a, a land of broken dreams but it does end up with a lot of hope and a sense of renewal at the end of the book Yes. Uh, I, look, I don't think I could write a book of any sort that didn't end up in hope, I, and, and <laughs> particularly a book for children. You know, I mean, how could you, how could you write a despairing book for children? I think that would be a dreadful, dreadful thing to do. Uh, it, and the thing is, there is always hope that, that when, when, even in situations like that, you know, that, that there's hope. And it's important that, that children see that. And um, have you had uh, any response from uh, people reading the book and children reading the book, whether it is from places like Alice Springs or uh, even those in the city? Look, we've had really, we've had wonderful responses. We've had, I know that when the reps took the books books out, when they first took them out around the country, uh, there was a wonderful response from the booksellers and particularly the country booksellers saying, you know, this this rings so true for us and, and this is so important for what we're going through. So there was that side of it. But we, we've also uh, had lovely responses from children and from from parents writing in and saying how much their children love, love the books. Uh, it's my my niece was over from Hong Kong recently. She's got a, a daughter of the of the right age, and so my grandniece went back to Hong Kong with a pile of these books for her friends and handed them over to each of her friends, saying, "My mum's aunt wrote this." <laughs> <laughs> so apparently she loves it and her friends love it as well. So yes, there's been a wonderful response. Well, it's a beautiful book. Congratulations, well, Leanne, and thank thanks for so talking much. with us. Oh, my pleasure. That's Leanne Tanner. She's the author of Ella and the Ocean. The illustrator is Jonathan Bentley, and we'll put links to where you can get a copy of the book in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.